Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Nashville vocalist Mandy Barnett first gained national prominence as the original star of the musical Always Patsy Cline at Nashville's famed Ryman Auditorium. While her country singing has been much celebrated, Mandy has a soft spot for the great American songbook and always includes a standard or two in her concert performances. Mandy celebrates her love for this repertoire on her most recent CD, Every Star Above, which was inspired by Billie Holiday's 1958 Lady in Satin album. Every Star Above was a special project on multiple levels. Mandy was introduced to Lady in Satin earlier in her life from a friend who thought it would inspire her. It did. And now, years later, Every Star Above is the result. Additionally, multi-Grammy winner Sammy Nestico did the arrangements. Sammy composed, conducted, and arranged for TV and film, and many of the greatest musicians in the business, including Barbara Streisand, Count Basie, and Frank Sinatra. This was Sammy's last project before he passed away earlier this year, a month before his 97th birthday. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Here's Mandy on the country music classic, Oh Lonesome Me. that jazz and country music share a connection through their focus on storytelling. I asked Mandy Barnett if she agrees. Songs from the heart. Songs about life. It's it's very similar. Of course, you know, you think of of jazz being more of an urban, you know, more like urban music and country was more, you know, for, I guess, appealed to more of a rural demographic. But, you know, back in the 60s, my favorite my favorite period of country music was when um, Owen Bradley and Chet Atkins started developing the Nashville sound. 
And that was basically, a, it was a, creating a hybrid because country music wasn't selling well. It was um, Patty Page and people like that were starting to do more uh, beautiful crooning type music and country just kind of had that, it was just fiddles and still guitars and that kind of thing. And it, it just didn't have the appeal. So they created this hybrid of pop and country and they called it the Nashville Sound, which was when Patsy Cline first started and people like uh, Ray Price and Marty Robbins. And it had a more sophisticated sound that would appeal to crossover audiences. That period you're talking about, which I mm -hmm. love too, that's my favorite. And I think that there's um, the storytelling aspect, but also a very engaging rhythmic aspect which a lot of jazz goes off in different directions and things like that. But I know the jazz that you like, and certainly the people that you sent to me, they were all people that these arrangements really had that kind of, to me, mm -hmm. at least four of them had a, a kind of a country vibe, to me. Yeah. You know, had yeah, the maybe guitar so. going. It was interesting, except for the Ella track. I mean, you gave me a, a Dinah Washington, you know, September in the Rain, and I hadn't heard this particular mm -hmm. version but, you know, it's got kind of that vibe to it, kind of a, a down-home feel, I guess. It, it certainly doesn't sound urban to me. It does. It, it just kind of swings along and feels good. And there are a lot of country songs that feel the same way. And so I've been able to weave throughout the years, weave the songbook into my country shows pretty seamlessly, really. And, you know, when I first started out, I was doing a musical called Always Patsy Cline, and I portrayed... Patsy Cline for for many years at the Ryman Auditorium and a lot of the songs that that she sang especially later in her career were were pop songs like uh, Does Your Heart Beat For Me, Heartaches, True Love by Cole Porter, Always. I think that Irving Berlin thought that her version of Always was about as good as it gets. It, I mean it really is. I'll be loving you But the producers and the musicians that she worked with, even though they were all pretty much from the South, they loved the Great American Songbook. They absolutely adored it. And maybe had they lived uh, in New York, that they would have they definitely been jazz musicians. But being in Nashville, th those were the opportunities that they had. But, but on their off time or on the weekends, they would play the society events and they were doing all the great uh, standards of the day, all the songbook tunes. And you're talking about the very practical aspect of the business and what was around them and how those yes. things influence the direction you take in good ways and challenging ways. 
But right. it does take you in a direction if you choose to grab what's in front of you in that or you hear something else that's available. Speak a little bit to that because I think that's very interesting. Most people don't think of that. Well, for Owen Bradley, who basically started Music Row, um, he had a family. He had, uh, he had a home. He didn't want to move. Uh, they wanted to move the the country music industry down to Dallas because there was, I think there was a studio down there. It was the only one with Echo. And so he and his brother, Harold, built the first studio in Nashville with Echo. And then they started building more studios after that. And next thing you know, they own basically the majority of of Music Row, just all these these great studios where some of the, the most wonderful songs of all time were recorded um, in the country. And, you know, people like Connie Francis and Bobby Vinton uh, would come to Nashville, some of the uh, more pop people. But but Owen, he loved, he loved pop music. He loved country music. Um, so it was just a great fit for him to be able to start the Nashville sound because of his mutual love for um, big band. And he would take advantage of singers like Patsy Cline that came along that had, she really didn't have any interest in singing pop, but he, he, she wanted to sing country. She thought of herself as a hillbilly singer and he saw that she could be more than that. And he, he, he kind of made her grow. He forced her to try different things outside of her comfort zone because he knew that she could do it, that she could compete in that arena. And the same thing with Brenda Lee. She was from Georgia and just a little girl. And, um, you know, he, he met her, he signed her to Decca Records. And he knew that she had a great big voice that could appeal to more than just country audiences. And so she had a great pop career and was and but but she recorded all of her hits in Nashville. Same thing with Roy Orbison, recorded all of his hits in Nashville. And um, there, there were just a lot of great music people and in Nashville at that time that recognized um, these artists as, as more than just country musicians, country singers. I have to tell you something that delighted me. I've done this show a long time, and I've found, I was thinking about this this morning, that the vocalists who come on with great big voices, really beautiful voices, unlimited possibilities, the people that they send me as their big inspirations are people, are similar singers. They don't choose someone like Billie Holiday. It's very interesting. They don't choose Peggy Lee. And I'm making a big generalization, mm -hmm. but the same names come up so I can see who people suggest and that kind right. of thing. So I was really interested in the fact that you, with a voice that can do anything, that Billie Holiday is a big influence. And I want you to speak to that and what really inspired you about her and still does. Um, when, I, when I was growing up, I, I did listen to a lot of the more throaty singers like Kate Smith and Patsy Cline and that, you know, they could really just almost nail you to the wall with their power. But then um, as I went along, I started discovering singers that, that could deliver in a more nuanced sort of way and really started appreciating that. And that was the thing that I really loved about Billie Holiday and especially that album, Lady in Satin. Um, you can literally hear her heartbreaking. And I think 
being able to show that kind of vulnerability when you're singing, because it's one thing to have all the technical aspects and, you know, nice tone and power and all that, but to be able to open yourself up and kind of reveal what you're, what you've been through in your life is really something special. And that's, that's one thing that I, that I always loved about Billie Holiday's voice and Peggy Lee's voice. It was kind of conversational, like they were revealing intimate things. Sweetheart, the night is growing old. Sweetheart, my love is still untold. A kiss that is never tasted forever and ever is wasted. For we know we may never meet again. Before you go, make this moment sweet again. We won't. Say good night until the last minute. I'll hold out my hand, and my heart will be in it. This may only be a dream We come and go Like a ripple on a stream Sorry, love me tonight Billie Holiday on For All We Know from her Lady in Satin album. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is vocalist Mandy Barnett. This album of Billy's, it's later Billy. And I know when I was coming up, people would go, eh, I don't really like later Billy. I always loved later Billy. She seemed more vulnerable to me. I mean, if possible, it didn't seem like it was possible with Billie Holiday, but if anything, it seemed like she was more vulnerable. Absolutely. I mean, that album slayed me, and and I'd you know heard all the earlier stuff when she was young and strong, and there's something really special about that that album, and um, and I think that's what it is. It's just the vulnerability in her voice. You feel like you're kind of um, kind of sitting along the sidelines watching this this woman's heart break 
you almost feel kind of guilty about listening to it because it seems so intimate. Um, but it's, it's just so special. And, and I'm so thrilled that, that my good friend Harold Bradley, who was um, a country musician, he gave me that album when I was 23 years old and said, you need to listen to this. He said, because I think at some point you're going to want to do the standards and perform with an orchestra. And he said, I think this record could really inspire you to do something like this. And I, I listened to it and I just was blown away, absolutely blown away, broke my heart. You don't know what love is until you learn the meaning of the blues, until you love to love you had to lose. You don't. Mandy Barnett from her new CD tribute to Billie Holiday's Lady in Satin recording. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. We'll talk about this album. It's incredible. I just, I have it right here. I can show it to you. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, okay, so let me give you a little bit of, so I told you a little bit about Harold giving me the record. Now, Harold was Owen Bradley's brother. They both started uh, Music Road. They built the first studio. He played on all the hits. He's like the most recorded guitarist in country music. and um, But was a pop guitar player. He loved the standards. But like in, I think it was around 1953, he played on the Hokey Pokey with Ray <laughs> Anthony live at the Ryman Auditorium. Uh, Ray Anthony was looking for a studio in the South to record um uh, the Hokey Pokey that had Echo and the Ryman Auditorium was the only place that in, in Nashville that had Echo. So so he played on a lot of of pop stuff early on and then throughout the years with Patsy Cline and Roy Orbison, Brenda Lee, Connie Francis, folks like that. So by the time we met, he was in his 70s and had experienced this long career. And I made an album with his brother, Owen Bradley. And from that time on, we just became the best of friends. And he played my band forever. And he was constantly 
introducing me to new music because he saw that at some point that that I would maybe um, venture outside of country or want to do some other things. So, um, so that's that's how this got started. And Harold actually passed away about two years ago. And five months after he died, Fred Mullen came up to me and said, I would love to talk to you about uh, doing an album for us at Melody Place. Would you have any interest in doing the songs from Billie Holiday's Lady in Satin? And if I could get legendary arranger Sammy Nestico to write the arrangements, you know, maybe this is something that we could work on in the next few months. Um, Sammy Nistico was a person that Harold had mentioned to me many times. He would love for me to meet and tr try to figure out a way to get to him to work to work with him. So it's just so strange. Five months after he dies, this falls into my lap, record Lady in Satin with Sammy Nistico. So it seems like it was really meant to be. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I usually don't get into real woo-woo things. And I'm not that type of person. I'm really not. You know, some people I have friends that they see a bird and they think it's their dead uncle or something, but <laughs> but but this is kind of spooky. <laughs> well, you know, I think with things like that, that this is sort of my philosophy on that, which I'll give you, because I'm like you. I won't think that a bird's my dead uncle. <laughs> but I do think if you're paying attention and you surround yourself with other people who are paying attention, then th you're going to have someone who comes up to you and knows that you're sensitive enough when you're 23 to appreciate something like that. And right. then years later, maybe say, you know, I just have a feeling that this might be right for you or something. You know what I right. mean? So I think that those things do have meaning if you're with other people who have their antenna out right. and not like they're from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm so lucky that I got to Nashville at a time that I did. I moved here in 1993 and I was 17 years old. And I met some of these great musicians that really kind of helped me grow up. They, they taught me, they, they introduced me to things and helped me evolve and grow. Uh, I do wish that he could have been around to, to see this happen because it was exactly what he wanted to happen. Yeah. But that makes it even more special. I know he would be so proud of this, of this album. It's, it's, you know, the best musicians in Nashville are playing on it. You got Sammy Nestico, who is just otherworldly talented and such a, he was such a wonderful, sweet person. And you can hear the passion in him from those arrangements. I know when he was 96, right? He was, when well, he was, he was writing, 90, there was 95. 95. How old would he be? Yeah, 95. He was 95 and he was really funny. He was just like, oh, I'm so old. He said, why, did, you know, why didn't you come to me a year ago? And um, he said, I'm <laughs> having. 94. He said, yeah, <laughs> like I'm having, an, I'm having eye problems and blah, blah, blah. And so, well, so we said, well, can you, can you try? And he said, well, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll do two. Let's see, let's see what happens after two. So he'd written two, and then next thing you know, that turned into four, and then six. And then he would send these little videos of the progress he was making. He's sitting there, he's got his hat on, and he's, you know, at his writing station. And you would have thought he was a 30-year-old man. He was absolutely in his element. And that really just did my heart good to see a man like that that had just spent his whole life writing arrangements and being a musician, just being able to thrive again. And that just goes to show the power of music 
when, you know, it, it just, it, it's a healing thing. Um, it, it really kind of brought a lot of life to Sammy at that time, at a time that he was, he was kind of sickly and, um, you know, it had heart problems and, and things like that. He just, he hadn't been doing that well, but, but doing this project really kind of rejuvenated him for a mm. while. And so that was a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to see that happen. So especially for Sammy to have this opportunity and go out with a great project, with a great singer, with great tunes, with a great focus is really a beautiful thing. So I'm sure that he just, he came alive. I'm sure. I love that you say it started out with two tunes, then it was four tunes. And I mean, <laughs> oh, he just looked like, like he was totally in his element. And then the last time I talked to him was just a few weeks before he died. He mentioned um, our next project. No. And which is just a such a wonderful thing just just to hear him say that. And he's like, you know, I know you've got your country thing and you've You've been doing that for years, but I don't see any reason why you can't do this too. And I said, "Yeah, I can. I can do both. I'm a vocalist. I think that that uh, no matter what the genre is, as long as it's a beautiful song and gives you a great melody to sing, it you know it it doesn't matter the genre." So, um, so we talked about that doing something something in the future, and that really that really meant a lot to me. Oh yeah, and to think. It sounds funny, but I had someone say to me, um, do you think we knew somebody who, some old old musician who had done the gig and then passed away on the walk home back to the hotel. <laughs> and then another one who had passed away, this is over many years, mm -hmm. on the way to the gig. Yeah. And he says, which do you think is better? I said, on the way to the gig. And I'm thinking about that. Sammy went out thinking yeah. about his next project. Yeah. That, to me, is really beautiful, to know that he's just done something magnificent and he's already talking about the next one. Talk about, because by the time he was talking to you about the next one, he was 96, right? He was, yeah, and yeah. very, very soon to be 97. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really a great message for everyone, whether they're... Uh, professionally creative people or not, because I think about this on the show because it's really about inspiration and creativity. Mm -hmm. And that if you stay engaged, you stay aware and involved in things that inspire you, that yes, you get older, yes, you have aches and pains and whatever, but you're still in the game because Sammy was still in the game. I mean, still think about that, still in the game at 95. Boy, that's inspiring. I'm a fool to want you I'm a fool to want you Others too, 
I'm a fool to hold you. Such a fool to hold you. To seek a kiss, not my own. To share a kiss, the devil has known. Barnett from her new CD, Every Star Above. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. 
For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production, not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations. So please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. My guest, vocalist Mandy Barnett, worked with arranger Sammy Nestico on her most recent CD, Every Star Above. Sammy was 95 years old at the time, and Mandy felt he was at the top of his game. I've worked with a lot of older musicians, and, you know, many of them. I mean, Harold was 90. He was still playing in my band. We did, we did some symphony dates and he's having to sight read all that music. He never missed a beat. Yeah. He might have walked in on a, on a walker. But uh, when he sat down with that guitar, he was a young man again. And that kind of experience, you can't, you can't get that with, with just a, a, a youngster. They bring something to the table that is just from, a, from another time. And uh, that's one thing that I do love about this record. It does sound like it's from another time. Yet it does have a very modern kind of sound, too. Bill Schnee, the legendary mixer and engineer, he, he uh, recorded and mixed this album. And he just, sonically, it's, it's really, really great. So thrilled that, that he moved to Nashville and got to do this album with us. How did you talk about the arrangements? I'm curious. And for our listeners who don't know how these things are put together, do you say, mm -hmm. do you get together with Sammy and your producer and say, these are the tunes, go arrange, and then <laughs> I'm just going to come back? How does all that work? Talk about that. Well, we picked the tunes, and then I went in with a piano player to sort of give him an idea of how I wanted to sing them, the pace and the keys. And... um and then I just sort of loosely said, hey, if you want to put a modulation in somewhere, just just do it and then maybe run it by me and I'll let you know if I can hit the high notes or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is an essential part of the conversation. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that's so you kind of sketch it out. A little and bit, but, the, but, you know, gosh, he, oh. You know, it was very loose. It was very loose. I just needed to to show him what I needed to do, or what I what I needed for me as far as the space. And then mm -hmm. he filled in all the blanks and created the most beautiful framework ever. Love is funny, or it's sad, or it's quiet. Oh, it's mad It's a good thing Oh, it's bad But beautiful Thinking 
Mandy Barnett from her CD, Every Star Above. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Mandy about one of her favorite singers, Peggy Lee. I hear a lot of musicians talk about Peggy Lee. I mean, great songwriter. I mean, her phrasing was just impeccable. I don't know. She just makes you feel good. My mother, you know, she's, she always says, you know, I love that old Peggy Lee, don't you? <laughs> I'm in love with you, well, all right, okay, you win, baby, what can I do, I'll do anything you say, it's just got to be that way, well, all right, okay, you win, I'm in love with you, well, all right, okay, you win, baby, what can I do? Anything you say I'll do As long as it's me and you All that I am asking All I want from you Just love me like I love you And it won't be hard to do Well, all right, okay You win, I'm in love with you Well, all right, okay You win, baby, what can I do? I'll do anything you say It's just got to be that way Well, talk about Dinah Washington, because she had big pop hits. Yeah. But people just don't bring her up as much, and I just feel like she hits immediately, boy. The the first note, she grabs you. She does. I love the texture in her voice, um... There's just so many songs that I love. I love September in the Rain, and of course I love I Thought About You. Um, there's another uh, recording of hers that I truly love from, I guess it's the Newport Jazz Festival, All of Me. And she just tears it up. I mean, what else can I say? She just gets up there and tears it up. She puts all the feeling into it. She grooves. Um, 
her her the tone. It's just she's got grit, and that's one of the reasons why I love Billie Holiday so much. They, the two of them have some parallels for me, but um, I just love the blues and the just the swing, and I just I just I just like her. And I like that you say she tears it up, and she's got grit. Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to describe it because. I have to say, a lot of singers these days don't have grit. They have, in the jazz world, in my world, you know, I'm hearing all these young singers come up and they've got lots of uh, technique, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of scatting and things like that. But I'm trying to think of a young singer with grit. I like that word grit. I (laughs) like to sit there or either watch someone or, or listen to a recording and just feel moved by by what's going on so there there she's totally in it the leaves of brown came tumbling down remember in september in the rain the sun went out just like a dying ember that September in the rain to every word of love I heard you whisper the raindrops seem to play a sweet refrain Though spring is here to me, it's still September. Ooh, that's September in the rain. To every word of love, I and Tony Bennett. Love to talk about Tony Bennett. I want to be around. You brought this track. I love this. That's a song that that I've been singing actually for, for quite some time. It's, um, I just think he's got the most amazing voice. I, I went to see him in concert a couple of years ago. I don't really know. He might've been 94. I'm not sure what his age was, but he was incredible. Um, he was playing, um, at the skirmer horn here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm so glad that, that I got the opportunity to see him live, but just a beautiful voice, wonderful songs. And, you know, he's another one that ventured over into um, country songs, having a hit with um, a Hank Williams tune, Cold, Cold Heart. It was a, a huge hit for him, um, but just, just a fabulous voice. I want to be around to pick up the pieces When somebody breaks your heart Some somebody twice as smart as I A somebody who will swear to be true as you to do with me who'll leave you to learn 
that misery loves company wait and see I mean I want to be around to see how he does it when he breaks your heart to bits let's see if the puzzle fits so fine And that's when I'll discover That revenge is sweet As I sit there applauding From a front row seat When somebody breaks your heart Like you What did you listen to growing up? What were your parents playing? Well, I grew up in, in, in a small town in Tennessee, Crossville, Tennessee. And most of the music you heard around there was gospel, um, country, bluegrass. But gospel's interesting because there's a lot of different elements in gospel. There's, there's jazz, there's pop, there's blues, there's country. And you really can learn how to sing uh, growing up in church and, mm. and listening to gospel, you can learn to sing a lot of different styles. Elvis Presley was very influenced by gospel music. He used to go, they called him singings. And so he would go to these all-night singings and hear these great gospel music groups from the 50s. And he was very, very inspired by those groups like the Statesmen and the Blackwood Brothers. And so throughout the years, he would incorporate them into his act, and later on had a quartet called the Stamps Quartet. So his music always had sort of a gospel um, gospel uh, elements to it. So I just, I feel that, that that is probably part of why I am versatile, is my background mm. in gospel music. Oh, that's interesting. Were you singing in church growing up? Yes. Okay. I mean, church was just a natural venue. Um, it was my family's church. Uh, my great great grandfather founded it. It was a Methodist church, and they were all very supportive. Uh, my aunt kind of browbeat me into getting up one Easter uh, <laughs> one Easter Sunday and made me sing this song. And then uh, after that, I was very very shy. I didn't want to do it. I kind of held. How my old head. were you? I was like five. And wow! I held my head down, and and then when I got such a great reaction, I I liked it, and so I started singing every Sunday. I think that if you're fortunate enough when you're younger to be exposed to a lot of different things, and whether it's music, whether it's, I know people, I have a couple friends who are chefs, mm -hmm. and their kids have the most open palate for yeah. all kinds of food, because from day one, they were getting caviar or something, right. you know, and yeah. they're not picky at all. And I think it's such a great message for abundance and variety with kids so that they're exposed to a lot of different things. And you're just saying, because you're tremendously flexible in terms of what you like musically, but in terms of what you can do musically. And you're really saying that a, a lot of that you owe to this upbringing where there was a lot going on musically, where people were open to it. 
That's right. And I, and my family had good taste in music. Mm. My mother was more into, you know, the songs of the like old rock from the 50s and 60s. And she loved country music, classic country. She turned me on to Patsy Cline. My grandmother was into the big band stuff, um, which was how I started learning the, the standards. I remember when I was nine years old, I heard Sophisticated Lady and I thought, I'm going to learn this song, and I went outside, and I think about it now. It's so funny. I'm standing on a tree stump singing to a bunch of dogs. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's great. That's great. You were already drawing a crowd. That's (laughs) They just happened to have fur, but I mean, big deal. (laughs) Had a captive audience. (laughs) Look at yourself. If you had a sense of humor, you would laugh to beat the band. Look at yourself, do you still believe the rumor that romance is simply grand? Since you took it right on. That bright toothpaste grin My mental state is all a jumbo I sit around and sadly mumble Fools rush in So here I my guest, Mandy Barnett, from her CD, Every Star Above. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Every Star Above is Mandy's first CD of songs from the Great American Songbook. One of the things that occurs to me with this CD is I know it's very different for you, mm-hmm. even though you've been singing standards forever and right. love these songs forever in your shows. But to do a CD that's all standards, more in the jazz, what, what most people would consider the jazz repertoire, you know, the Great American Songbook. So it's different for you. So how do you feel about that? How did you feel going into this? Were you excited? Were you scared because it was different? How did mm-hmm. that feel? I was very excited. I was very scared. And I felt an enormous amount of pressure to make Sammy happy because Mm. not only am I doing an album of um, standards, it's not like I'm doing an album of standards with some producer here in Nashville. I'm working with Sammy Nestico, who is one of the most revered arrangers of all time. And so I didn't want him to think, gosh, this is such a drag. This would be great if she wasn't the singer. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so great if we had a different singer. (laughs) If we had a different singer. So I... (laughs) I carried some of that insecurity around for a little bit, but then I thought, you know what? This is what you do. This is you you sit down and you learn these songs and and you know them like the back of your hand. So he sent me uh, mock-ups of all the arrangements so I knew where to weave in and out and where to come in after the instrumentals. There was no guesswork. Then when I was on the floor with the musicians, because some of these songs are extremely complicated because, you know, the rhythm section will just drop out on you. And um, 
you know, I just, it was just me and the conductor. So I couldn't just clam up or fall apart. So uh, I think just being really, really prepared made all the difference in the world. And then I could just relax and sing. Once in my take for granted world Love was so commonplace But now I see an enchanted world In your face, in your embrace For heaven's sake doing during the pandemic? Things are opening up now. So are you mm-hmm. starting to book things? How is it looking for you? I am starting to book things. Now, I've, I've been so fortunate that I've been able to, to have music out during the pandemic. So that has kept me busy to a certain degree. I have played the Grand Ole Opry um, about once a month. You have? Have you been streaming? So well, that's what it's... I, the first show they the first show they did there were only five artists and we played to an empty room and that was uh, that was I guess March the seventeenth of twenty twenty and um, so I so I did play the Opry because they didn't have audiences for a while now they have limited um, uh, audiences but I think they're starting to open up to full capacity and I'm playing oh, fantastic playing very soon um, to a full crowd. I, I do have some gigs starting to come in, and I'm just really, really ready to get back out there and, and start singing again. It's been so long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, everybody feels that way. I was talking to a musician yesterday, a guitarist I used, Larry Kuntz, out in California, and he mm-hmm. finally broke down and did some streaming things, but he said he did it with someone else. So at least you've got another person, and that was right. what was so hard for me, and I kept resisting because I thought... Even if there were one other musician, I need somebody giving me some juice, you know, <laughs> not, not just looking at that computer. And right. so it is. It's really hard. And I know people have done it, but I appreciate you saying that, too. But you have some things. I looked at your site. So you have some things coming up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think with more and more people being vaccinated, that helps, too, um, as far as feeling more comfortable uh, traveling and, and being around folks. Um, it's, I mean, it's a scary thing when you think about getting out there and potentially 
catching a, a life-threatening virus. Yeah. So, um, so thankfully, things are getting better, and and we can get back out there in a safe way and and do shows. Exactly. Well, I love the CD. I think you're wonderful. You gave Thank me the you. chance to play all this fabulous music, and I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that we met. Thank you so much for helping me with all my technical difficulties. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm looking forward to the next CD in this direction because I think it's wonderful and we need more of you out here. We need people who really understand this music and how to to sing that message and to put it out and especially with your beautiful instrument being able to sing it so beautifully so thank you so much for doing this thank you so much and i'm i'm hoping to be able to to do that as well i love the standards and i i'm just so glad that i made this this album i think i'm i'm off to the races at this point so i do think there will be more in the future absolutely you heard it here folks <laughs> thank you mandy thank you thank you so much judy you've been listening to my conversation with mandy barnett i hope you'll join me here next time when i talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work i'm judy carmichael the host and producer of jazz inspired my production engineer is curtis Heidolf. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms or at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons and Jazz Times. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stride Queen. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com or jazzinspired.com. Thank you.